Here we go. Episode 9 of Chopped, Strength Through Vulnerability. And this week's episode, Outsiders. I enjoyed last week's Borodar so much. And added to that, I've yet to receive any other listener suggestions for this week's regional greeting. So let's kick off today with another Borodar which allows me to transition seamlessly into a message I received on Sunday from at DBS Sports Therapy. So he sent me a voice note, get this, while running the Penlin Ultramarathon, which is a series of ridiculously long runs. This one, I think, was 50 miles. So a solid effort there from at DBS Sports Therapy. And I'm amazed he was able to speak whilst running, let alone leave a cogent, coherent message. I find the Instagram thing, which I think is taken from Snapchat, of only allowing voice notes, pictures or video clips to be viewed or heard twice a little annoying. As in this case, it means I can't share his message with you verbatim and will have to do it off the top of my head. Which isn't great as my memory can be a bit hazy at the best of times. But he said something along the lines of, you bastard, you've done it again. Hearing beautiful has tipped me over the edge. That's not exactly what he said, but there were words to that effect. The purpose of sharing that with you was twofold. One, it got this week's episode up and running, but secondly, and perhaps post, perhaps most importantly, it echoes messages and chats I've had with a few of the other listeners over recent weeks. And the feedback I'm getting is that listening to me witter on with myself sees you, the listener, go through a range of emotions. Some tears of laughter followed by tears from the other end of the spectrum, whether it's tears of sorrow, pain or loss. One of those listeners who, if we are a tribe, is one of the originals, you might say a chopped OG, messaged me to say, whilst I haven't lost an arm, so much of this resonates. Finding new tribes, knowing our worth, self-love, meaningful paths, crossing fate, 100%. And this message gets to the heart of the CHOP tribe. What strength through vulnerability is for me. I know I've had my arm chopped off and let's be honest, it's never going to feature very highly on someone's to-do list. But we all go through hard times. I've seen a good few posts over the last couple of years where people I went to school with have lost a parent. And I can't imagine what that's like. I know the listener who sent those messages misses her dad who was a top guy. I had a few really great chats with him over social media before his passing. So if you're listening, AJB, you may be gone, but you're never forgotten. And to me, that's what our tribe recognises and represents. That as blind boys taught me, life can be pain. It can be suffering and grief and loss. But we, when we accept that we will have to face these feelings in life, then we can experience and enjoy all the wonderful things life has to offer. Speaking with a really old friend on Friday, who's been listening to the pod, he said to me that that he's enjoying it and that it's like sitting with an old mate catching up with him, which I was really pleased to hear, as I suppose it means I'm speaking in my authentic voice, being true to myself and being real, putting out a podcast that is true to who I am. But much like Matthew McConaughey spoke about strengths being weaknesses, and I see it's like speaking to an old mate as a positive, that people who've known me for over 20 years listen to this pod and feel like they're catching up with me. Which is great if you've known me for 20 years or more, 
but how does that reach out to those who don't know me? Ultimately, if I want to grow listener numbers to start a tribe and grow a movement, I need to have a wider audience. There has to be something that appeals to and attracts listeners who haven't known me for 20 years. It has to resonate with them too. And to that extent, I was tagged in a post over the weekend by someone I have recently mentioned in the previous episode, but I'm not going to specifically name or share their Instagram handle today as they shared stuff personal to them, which isn't for me to share. But being tagged in a post by someone who hasn't known me for 20 years and for them to not only promote this podcast, but also, you know what link's coming now, don't you? www.thechopshop.com obviously elicited a nice warm feeling. But more importantly than either of those things, to see and read that through the sharing of my own journey, it's giving others going through their own struggles the strength to be vulnerable and share what's going on for them and the energy to get out and do things that is helping others cope at a time of trouble. To have someone who isn't an old friend say the following things, your posts uplift me each time I see them and keep being you, genuinely means so much. And this brings me nicely on to speaking about gratitude, which a few listeners have said this pod helps them connect with. Last week I spoke about the podcast analytics feature and how listening figures were steadily declining and how the last pod had only had 20 odd downloads. I was speaking about this to a guy I know, an artist who specialises in surf and skate inspired art. Can you guess who? Yep, you got it, it was my good mate at BWJ Artist. And he made a great point about how the internet has altered our perception on everything. And that if I was doing a weekly talk, which this basically is, if 20 odd people turned up every week to listen to you talk, you'd take that. And that's exactly right. And it got me reflecting. If it came across that I was disappointed with 20 downloads for the previous pod, apologies, as I'm grateful to everyone who has ever given their time to listen to me as time is the most precious commodity any of us have. So to see a post from a listener plugging the pod when they've got some health concerns of their own going on is really validating. As again, I see that as evidence of people viewing me as authentic and real. And as I reflected on it, I thought I'd rather have a core, albeit in terms of established podcasts, a small core of listeners but a small core who are actively engaged with the pod than a thousand or 10,000 times as many who can take it or leave it. Earlier, I mentioned a phone call with an old mate. Now, he's on social media, but not hugely active. But at AcidMouse74 did ask whether at BWJ Artist is paying me for all the plugs. No, he's not. But that also got me thinking, thinking around where the plugging of different Instagram users came from. And I think subconsciously it's come from watching the vlogs of surfers such as Jamie O'Brien, Coa Rothman and Nathan Florence. In their vlogs, they're always tagging their mates if they're out surfing with them at the same time. So I think think that's where that's originated from. 
As I said, Acid Mouse 74 isn't overly active on social media, so I can't really plug him, but I can get a little plug in there for his wife's band, at Sea Fever Band. Well worth having a listen to. Check them out. That's at Sea Fever Band. They're on Instagram, they're on YouTube, and they're good, so have a listen. I'm nearly a quarter of the way through, and I'm only just getting to this week's topic, which is Outsiders. Outsiders, I hear you say. What's all that about then? Well, let me tell you. Getting on for about six weeks ago, I went to London to meet Wilfred Emmanuel Jones. You might have heard of him or be aware of his brand, The Black Farmer. Now, I don't have a little black book of contacts, but I'm fortunate that I know people who do have connections. So this meeting was arranged by another old mate. Now, I need to digress here slightly. As it was my birthday over the weekend, blessed to make another one. But with the anxiety, or scansiety, I've currently got going on as I await the results of my six-month scan, it was a strange one. And it was an emotional one. Now, the friend who arranged the meeting with the black farmer has also been giving me lots of business advice, as he's an actual, proper, real-life businessman. So he's been helping me out a lot. But unbeknown to me, he'd also been in contact with a surfboard shaper over in Queensland, Australia, who specialises in shaping kneeboards. I came downstairs on my birthday to a beautiful new kneeboard with the strength through vulnerability face glassed in on both the top and bottom of the board. So it's an absolute original board. There's not another board in the world that looks like this. Those who know me and are regular listeners to this pod can probably guess my reaction. You've got it. I cried. I cried tears of joy, but it was possibly also a release of everything that's gone on over the last 12 months, brought on by such a kind, generous and thoughtful gift. So thank you. And I can't not mention the ocarina, which listeners to Blind Boy will be familiar with, so thanks to at BWJ Artist for my own ocarina, another wonderfully thoughtful gift. Thank you. Anyway, back to outsiders and the black farmer. So Wilfred Emmanuel Jones is a black farmer. Born in Jamaica, Wilfred's parents emigrated to England in the 1950s. One of eight siblings, he spent his formative years in Birmingham, growing up in inner city poverty, his only escape was his father's allotment. It was here he found his escape and developed a love of being outside and the freedom it offered. He left school with no qualifications, joining the army before getting thrown out as he struggled with authority. Wilfred went on to work his way up from a kitchen porter to getting a job on the BBC's food and drink programme before launching kettle chips and Lloyd Grossman's sauces. From here, he achieved his childhood dream of buying a farm. The name The Black Farmer came after he'd purchased his own farm down here in the southwest, and that was how the locals would initially refer to him. From an early age, Wilfred knew he was an outsider. In preparation for the meeting, it was suggested I read Wilfred's book, Jeopardy! The Danger of Playing Safe on the Path to Success. I started reading Jeopardy! just as I got to the point with my own fledgling business where I'd reached a put-up or shut-up point. 
Wolfrid's book and the theme of it, that of embracing jeopardy if you want to at least have a chance of achieving your dreams, was the catalyst to me sinking my own money into the first chopped order. Based on his experience, Wilfred thinks there are two types of people in this world. Survivors and outsiders. Survivors, he says, are those people whose primary instinct is to always repel any threat or danger, always looking for what can go wrong, seeing risk as something to be avoided. Survivors seek to maintain the life they have created for themselves, clinging to their comfort zone and ideally never venturing beyond it. Survivors see jeopardy as something to be feared and not loved. Prior to last August and the amputation of my arm, I was happily living as a survivor. I had a steady, stable job with a good employer. It afforded me a comfortable lifestyle and my children have never had to worry about where their next meal is coming from. And I've been able to support them in their interests, whether that's been horse riding, playmobile farms and zoos, making train tracks or building Minecraft Lego. My job has enabled me to do this for my children. And I was also able to enjoy my passion of surfing. So living as a survivor isn't a bad thing. But even in survival mode, there's no guarantees your life won't get flipped on its head, as happened to me last summer. I've said many times in previous episodes that I didn't come round after surgery and think I'm going to start my own clothing brand or I'm going to start my own podcast. One thing has just led into another. Admittedly, I've spent time doing those things to make them happen. But to see the ambition of taking chop from an idea into something tangible involved embracing jeopardy. Investing what for me was a decent chunk of money into 66 t-shirts, sweatshirts and hooded tops. I see the moment when I typed in my bank details to pay for that initial order as the the moment I embraced jeopardy. When I started once again being an outsider. When I say once again being an outsider, that suggests I've previously seen myself as an outsider, which I have. My parents emigrated to Australia in 1983 As an English child in Australia, you're a bit of an outsider, a pommy. Returning to England two years later, I was seen as an Australian, but I wasn't. I think those childhood experiences did imbue within me a sense of being different. I'd learnt to surf in Australia. Moving back to the northwest of England in the mid-80s, there wasn't many surfers and there wasn't many surf spots. I remember taking my surfboard into secondary school once and getting comments along the lines of Where do you ride that then? On the ship canal? I was no longer able to just pop down the beach to go surfing, so I started skateboarding. There was a little crew of us who for a good few years were really tight and we spent every day skating. There wasn't many other skaters knocking around and I think we felt different. From those early formative experiences, I suppose I've always felt a bit of an outsider. Add to that being a Manchester City fan surrounded predominantly by United fans and Liverpool fans. I like being a City fan, even though back in those days we never won anything. I remember in the lead up to my operation when I knew my arm was going, saying to someone, I'm not sure who it was, that I'd always wanted to be different, just not this different. 
The purpose of sharing all that is probably to suggest in some ways I've always considered myself as an outsider. Wilfred suggests that outsiders are people who welcome jeopardy into their lives. They don't allow themselves to be defined by the constraints of any company or even society as a whole. He goes on to say, Outsiders know that progress only happens when you break from tradition and the status quo, and that they realise change is one of the essential components of life, and they embrace that. Reading Wilfred's book came at just the right time for me, as I was uncertain whether spending a decent chunk of money was a wise move, whether it was a sensible decision. Added to that for me was my own ambition. Around October-November time, after I'd received my first chopped prototypes, my ambition became to secure some grant funding, some free money, with which I intended to purchase a small range of chopped clothing that I'd sell on my website. I knew I'd always be disappointed in myself if I didn't go through with it. Like paddling for a wave, getting yourself into prime position to catch it, but then letting it go by unridden for fear of what might happen if you get the takeoff wrong. My friend who arranged a trip said to me beforehand, nothing might come of this. It might be that you just get a nice lunch and have a chat with an interesting guy. And I was okay with that. So we met at the RAC club on Pall Mall, which was an experience in itself. Not the sort of place I've ever been to before. I had king prawns to start, followed by a go-and-fish curry, which Wilfred very kindly paid for. We spoke about all manner of things, and Wilfred gave me plenty of good advice and plenty to think about. His real area of expertise is as a branding and marketing man. He asked questions around how I'm branding myself, and he repeatedly told me my superpower is my amputated left arm. And he said to me he liked the name Ampusti, even said it was clever. But he thought the one-armed surfer packed a greater punch. For around 48 hours I went over in my head whether I wanted to change Ampusti for the one-armed surfer. Initially I hung on to what Wilfred said around Ampusti, saying it was clever. But lying in bed I thought, if you'd just been on Dragon's Den and, let's say, Stephen Bartlett invested in me, if he suggested a rebrand, would I effectively ignore his advice? The answer has to be no. No, I wouldn't. So that night, I waved goodbye to Ampusty and went all in with the one-armed surfer. Now, there is a potentially exciting development that may have come from that meeting, but it's not something I'm going to share at the moment as it's still only the seed of an idea. But I received some positive news yesterday, which might mean the seed is starting to germinate. Before writing all this and mentioning my meeting with the black farmer, I messaged Wilfred to check whether he was okay, me speaking about him and the meeting we had. And this was his response. I'm happy for you to speak about me in your podcast. Better still, I'm happy to be interviewed if you could do something virtually. So what an absolute result. Possibly I've got Wilfred Emmanuel Jones, the black farmer, lined up for coming on this pod. And I've got a few other really interesting people who are willing to come on. So it's up to me now to get my head around the technicalities of it all. 
As I mentioned earlier, my initial ambition was to source some grant funding to get my own range of clothes that I could sell on my own website. And I hadn't really thought past that. Well, I'm lying, I had. The big dream, the dream, as Wilfred suggests, in jeopardy should be so big that it scares you. And for me, that would be to have a creative hub in Newquay, a community-based project that promotes the benefits of being creative for mental and emotional well-being. Whether that creativity is art and design-based, whether it's music and music production, or whether it's in textiles and printing. The hub would allow us to produce, amongst other things, the chopped range in-house, our own designs printed on our own presses, embroidered on our own machines and the ability to be able to customise and adapt garments for fellow amputees. It would be a place where artists, young and old, could explore their creativity and and explore how they can monetise their passion to live their best lives and ultimately make a living from it. That's the dream, the big dream. In Jeopardy, Wilfred says, you don't achieve the big dream overnight. He didn't go from his life of poverty in Birmingham to being the black farmer in one giant step. It happened incrementally, small step by small step. I've achieved my first goal, my initial ambition. But now I want to go to the next level. To that end, over the last few weeks, I've been exploring how best to get to the next stage. On the train ride home from London, I started sending some emails to independent TV production companies, seeing whether there could be an uplifting docu- <laughs> seeing whether there could be an uplifting documentary made telling my amputee story. I had a few nibbles of interest, and there was one point where one of the companies seemed really interested, but that fell away. And one of the things Wilfred speaks about a lot is self-belief. Self-belief, he says, is imperative because no matter what your goal is, no matter how good you think your idea is, no matter how much you believe in it, you will get more knockbacks than you will get successes. And it's vitally important that you don't allow the knockbacks to derail your dream. In June, there's a surfing and music festival, the Spring Classic up in Woolacroom in Devon. A few weeks ago, I sent an email to the organisers asking around getting a stall at the event. I received an automated email back, which amongst other things said, if your email is around stalls at this event, the cutoff for approved traders was in January. So I thought I'd miss the boat on this year's Spring Classic. But last week I got an organiser, I got an organiser, but last week I got an email from one of the contest organisers who, like the backstory behind Chopped, and she said she'd see what she could do to squeeze me in. Now, initially, the figure I was quoted for the cost of the stall over the three-day event was way beyond what the Chopped corporate finances could stretch to. But after a few e- e- but after a few emails, it looks like we've come to a financial arrangement that we're both happy with. So all being well, there'll be a Chopped Surf Coast stall at this year's Spring Classic. I'm fairly certain the next stage of growing Chopped as a brand and also getting the word out about the podcast, Chopped Strength Through Vulnerability, is to physically get out there and spread the word. Outset Cornwall, the small business startup specialist who've really helped me learn a lot about starting your own business. They approved my business plan, which enabled me to secure some startup grant funding. Now, they're running a small stall market in Truro on May the 14th. 
an event which I've just had confirmed I have a stall at. Which I'm simultaneously buzzing about, but also shitting myself as I've absolutely no experience of setting up and running a store. But let's embrace jeopardy. No doubt it's out of my comfort zone, but it's a great opportunity to low and to to low. But it's a great opportunity to learn and grow. I've sounded you know who out. Can you guess at BWA at BWJ is to see if he wants to get in on it with me. That's the dream. I've always wanted to do collaborations with artists. So who knows? It might not be long before we're able to bring those collaborations to life. Stumbling on my words a bit, so I'm just going to wet my whistle. Kombucha again this week. Sorry, it just repeated on me. So with preparing a stall for the small stall market in mind... And with now having returned to work, albeit a phased return, I do need to ensure I can fulfil my responsibilities with regard to my actual employers. So I'm not going to put out a podcast next week. I need to be realistic about what I can achieve within a week. And with having to work and also prepare for the small stores market, I'm not sure if I can do all those things and do them to the best of my ability. So there'll be no pod next week, but the, but the following week's pod is almost written for me, as I can share with you my experiences from the small store market the week before. Before signing off from this week's episode, last week I shared the news that I'd been for my six-month scan to assess whether I remain cancer-free. Today, I've heard nothing back. I tried to sell myself. No news is good news. All I can do is hope for the best and try to live life normally and remain positive. On Saturday, we're heading out on the Big Wonder, the 26-mile walk along the coastal path between Newquay and Padstow, which is raising money for Sarcoma UK. So thanks to everyone for your support, for buying into Chopped and for giving your time to listen to the podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks for the messages through the week. Enjoy yourselves. Go steady. I'm out.